When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They're down 28-3 to in the third quarter. And Terry said to me, little buddy, it's going to be fine. They're going to go no huddle and he's going to throw it all over the place and they're going to come back and they're going to win this thing. Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is Pro Football Hall of Famer and NFL analyst Howie Long. Presented by Geico. I can honestly say that today's special guest made a fine living out of making my life miserable. He spent 13 years in the NFL, all with the Raiders, and recorded 84 career sacks, plus another seven and a half before sacks actually became an official league statistic. So it's my pleasure to welcome in Pro Football Hall of Famer and close friend, Howie Long. Howie, welcome to game time. Hey, Boom. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I got to tell you something, uh, you know, you and I had a lot of good times on the field, and we're going to get to some of those things, but I want to, I want the people to know who the real Howie Long is, where you came from, and how it all started, and I know you had a rough childhood in the, you know, in Boston, and you ended up going to Villanova. Tell me about what it was like growing up in Boston and how difficult that was for you. It was a different time. Went through the busing riots. At that point, I was living with my grandmother my uncle Mike and my aunt Edie. And uh, one of my uncles, the first uncle to graduate high school, uh, ended up being the first relative to move out of the neighborhood. And he moved out to Milford, out by Foxborough. And he had two kids and two adopted kids. And my grandmother, during the busing riots, desegregation in Boston, asked him to take me in. And here I was, uh, you know, troubled 13-year-old, and uh, he takes me in. I had never played organized sports prior to that. You know, we played hockey in the street, we frozen over parking lots and, you know, the whole thing. But hockey was the big thing. Had never played football. And uh, Dick Corbin, who ended up coaching at Harvard with Joe Restick, who was the longtime Harvard coach, uh, saw me in the hallway and asked if I wanted to come out for football. And it just changed my life and ended up uh, getting two two scholarship offers, one from Boston College and one from Villanova. So you chose Villanova, and I can understand why you did that because of the football powerhouse that it is. We always at Maryland would hey, schedule hey, Villanova hey. for a win. Just want to let you know that. Uh, so how, how, when you get to Villanova, I, I, you're young, man. You're young. I mean, you're not even fully mature yet. That, that, yeah. That's amazing to me that a 17-year-old freshman would walk on a college football program, and I don't care at what level, Villanova at that point in time was still Division One, I, I believe. Um, yeah. I, I mean, so what was that like for you? 
I started my freshman year as the uh, two-gap nose guard, and uh, I, had a, I had a really good coach there and had a couple of good coaches there, and I, I don't think you can get through what I went through without having people there to push you in the right direction. My life was different growing up, and it shaped in many ways who I am now. Welcome back to Game Time, where we're joined by NFL legend Howie Long, who said, I tend to be my own worst critic. I don't need a lot of criticism from other people because I get enough from myself. For good measure, he added, I'm very paranoid about my own perception of the way I play. And I can attest to this too, Howie, because you and I spoke when you were getting ready to retire. And I said, man, you'd be great for television. You got a great personality. You got a great look. The Fox thing was... It was a fascinating time because I had just retired and Terry and I, we couldn't be any more different quarterback, defensive lineman, dealer, raider. He's been married three, four times. I've been married once for 40 years. He's like the older brother I never wanted. <laughs> it's paragraph three of my contract in the fine print that I'm responsible for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility, Howie, and I, I got to tell you, legendary broadcast team and will be continuing uh, for many years to come, I'm sure. You know, back in 1981, when you were getting ready to be drafted, I'm sure Mel Kuyper thought, uh, <laughs> thinking that he thought pretty highly of you, did he not? Or, di or was it the other way around where he thought that you were overrated? I worked out 43 times. I had, an, I had a scout and who literally was just checking the box. I had a scout, I think it was from the Colts, who pulled up in my dorm, knocked on my door, it was a Sunday, and he had his girlfriend in the car, and he just wanted to run me in a 40. And I said, I don't have any cleats. He said, that's ah, okay. I mean, that's okay, we're just checking them out. <laughs> so I had to run a 40, and we couldn't find any place to run a 40, so I started in a hallway in the corner <laughs> of the gym, and ran diagonally across into the other hallway, but there wasn't really enough kind of room post 40 to gear down and not hit the wall. So I ran it three, four times, just hit the wall four times. And, and then uh, the Raiders really didn't speak to me. I mean, they wow. showed up for, for a group workout. And when the Raiders drafted me in the second round, heck, I, Diane and I pulled out, you know, a map and figured out where it was and where Oakland was. And, and wow. I, bought a, I bought a used Coupe DeVille for $9,000 and drove out to Oakland. And uh, yeah. it was uh, it was an eye opener. Going from Villanova where there's like a priest on every floor and you know, to <laughs> Oakland was different. <laughs> the Raiders iconic owner Al Davis is famous for his battle cry, just win baby. But Davis also once said, we don't take what the defense gives us. We take whatever the hell we want. And nothing captures the spirit of the Raiders better than that. Number one, what was it like playing for Al Davis? And he wore this cologne that was, you could smell from like 100 yards away. Everyone knew, and he was at every practice. And yeah. he, he knew more football than the coaches knew. Uh, and he would periodically take you up in the room. And, you know, I had very few meetings with him one-on-one. -on -one. one was, I, I think I'd just gotten in a bad fight and, you know, he threatened me and said, look, you can't beat anybody else up on the team, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and the other was, oh, I can't pay you that kind of money. I could do yeah. this. <laughs> so I'd end up just negotiating with him, but he made it 
it, it was a totally insulated facility. There was us and the rest of the world. And, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't necessarily spoken, but you understood it. Um, and everything in the organization was geared towards the players and putting them in a position to be successful. You go from Villanova, like you said in the previous segment, and you go out to Oakland. What is the first practice against Art Shell like? Oh. <laughs> well, we're doing, we, like, every, like I'm sure you guys did, first day of two-a-days, and two-a-days were two-a-days then. It was full yes. live goal line, live inside run, live pass rush, live team period. And, <clears throat> you know, you basically survived training camp. And, you know, I go from playing Delaware to, you know, here we are, it's pit drill, it's one-on-one, -on -one, two bags down, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, running back, and that's it. And I'm sizing up the number two guy on the left side because at that time they had me playing right end, and then he's had me playing left end. He's, he's got me playing inside. He's got me playing on the nose. As it turns out, Earl Leggett was, his plan was, I'm going to take him and move him up and down the line everywhere. And I didn't know that at the time, but the first pit drill, I'm sizing up the number two guy and unbeknownst to me, Earl had worked it out with Art that he was going to pull Dave Browning out, who is the starting defensive end, <clears throat> and put me in and there's Art Chell. Oh. You know, I, we didn't weigh Art. Art didn't weigh, you know, so I don't know what Art weighed. <laughs> But he was a big man and he had a beard. I think I just started caving. And he came off the ball and Art would thump you with his helmet and he'd double punch you to the ribs. So I wasn't sure whether to grab my face where the helmet had hit me or you know, kind of grab my sides where I couldn't breathe. And then to try not to let anyone know that it had you know impacted me at all. It's kind of like a fighter yeah. Taking a blow and you just got to, you know, wave into the crowd. It's fine. He didn't bother me. <laughs> it was a wake-up call for me. So I had... Yeah, welcome welcome had to Gene, the NFL. Exactly. I had Gene Upshaw, Art Shell. Oh. Uh, you know, you look around, you know, it, it was a who's who. If you wanted to know what great looked like, you didn't have to look far because it was all around you. Ted Hendricks, you know, the whole thing. It was a great group. Yeah, I do one other story that I have playing when you were in Los Angeles. I um, I was in a locker room and I was getting ready to play. I think it was my second year. It was probably 1985 or 1986. And you, one of your teammates who grew up here on Long Island in Brooklyn, as a matter of fact, his name was Lyle Alzado. Now this yeah. maniac comes walking in to our locker room before the game to come and say yeah. hello to me because he and I shared the same high school coach and yeah. he wanted to tell me how proud he was of the fact that I made it to the NFL and how he and his mates were going to kill me on the field <laughs> when I got out there. That was like, like a welcome to the NFL moment well, by the Raiders if there ever was one. You will understand. I, I, I called Lyle three mile, three mile Lyle. Yes. Three Mile Island because you just yes. never knew when it was going to go. You could judge the day by good morning. Once you got his response for good morning that particular day, Lyle was a card-carrying bad man. Yes. Uh, there, are, there are some guys that bark a lot and, and do all that, but Lyle was a card-carrying bad man. And heck, you know, 
the thing that's lost is Lyle was a heck of a football player. Yep. <clears throat> and he didn't know dot formation from far eye, near eye, trips right. He would say to me, this is, he's 34 years old, and he's talking to me, and he'd say, what's that formation with the one back? And I said, dot. <laughs> he said, no, what are we looking for? I said, look for the safety, because he's checking to the opposite of the safety. And I'm 20, <laughs> I'm 20 years old. I lived with him in the Oakland Airport Hilton. The year we played in L.A. and practiced in Oakland in one hotel room, standard hotel room, with two beds, oh. two kind of queen beds, <clears throat> for the entire season and survived it. For Howie and Diane Long, you know, the NFL is a family business. Two of their sons played in the league. Chris, who won Super Bowls with New England and Philadelphia. And, of course, Kyle, who played for Chicago and is now part of the CBS Sports Network pregame show. And let's not forget about Howie, as Howie just told us, who played lacrosse at the University of Virginia and now works in the Las Vegas Raiders front office. I mean, you and Diane have done such a wonderful job, Howie. You know, Chris had four years in St. Louis. We had over 40 sacks. And it's kind of like the tree falling in the woods. And if nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? And, you know, obviously it didn't. You, you were like playing in a dimly lit mall in St. Louis. And having the opportunity to kind of go somewhere else at one point, and I remember the conversations we had and, you know, what little input I, you know, Chris, if you know Chris, he's, he's, he's his own man. And, you know, the decision was, is it Atlanta, is it Dallas, is it, you know, there were four or five teams that were vying for him to sign with them. <clears throat> and he, uh, he really liked his trip down to Atlanta. And, and I just said, look, Chris, why are you playing? You have all this money, why are you playing? He said, I wanna win. And to me, the thought process was really clear. You know, who won the last, out of the last 10 AFC East divisional titles, out of the last 10 Super Bowls, who's been to the Super Bowl the most? <clears throat> and then you have the opportunity to play for, you know, a guy who I think is the best coach by a wide margin in football, Bill Belichick. Um, and over Atlanta, because at that point it was, you know, he really liked Atlanta, he liked the coach, like Dan Quinn <clears throat> and all of that. And ironically enough, here we are fast forward to the Super Bowl. Both teams are in the Super Bowl. I've talked him into going to New England. It's my contribution to the family. <laughs> They're down 28 to three in the third <laughs> quarter. I'm the worst father in the world at this point. I, I you know, I, you could tell if I'm mad because I get quiet and and I just kind of I go inward rather than outward. Uh, and I was really quiet and everyone knew to just kind of leave me alone. And um, and Terry said to me, <clears throat> as only Terry can do, he said, little buddy calls me little buddy, little buddy, it's going to be fine. They're going to go no huddle and he's going to throw it all over the place and they're going to come back and they're going to win this thing. And I'm thinking, he's out of his mind. And sure enough, it was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. We had Chris on the set after the game. It was, it far by far eclipses and beats anything that ever 
happened to me as a player or as an individual. And for Kyle, Kyle's a freak. Um, you know, Chris will tell you that Kyle's a freak. He was came out of a test tube or something. You know, he, he can do any boomer. He can do anything. Yeah. He can pick up anything you do: golf, lacrosse, basketball, baseball. He's drafted out of high school by the the Chicago White Sox. And Kyle plays, starts six games in college at Oregon, gets drafted in the first round. As everyone's as shocked as when I got drafted and goes to the Pro Bowl's first three years and, you know, is, is a dominant player. And then, unfortunately, has the, the ankle injury. To watch those guys uh, have success, it's, it's a mixed bag. It's, part of it is exhilarating. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You're extremely proud. Maybe the best decision you ever made was asking Diane to marry you and have her become their mother because I know that's where the stability comes from. In his Hall of Fame induction speech, Howie Long told the Canton audience, in my opinion, baseball is America's pastime, but football is truly America's passion. And certainly your speech resonated with so many of us who played against you, Howie. Uh, why Earl Leggett? Why did you ask him to do the induction speech? <clears throat> well, I had, I had had a conversation with Willie Lanier, um, who I'm sure you, you know. Uh, yeah. Willie is an interesting guy, you know, very thoughtful guy, smart guy. And Willie's, Willie's kind of interpretation of what your presenter should be is the person that was the most instrumental in you getting to where you are. If, and Michael Strahan and I have had this conversation multiple times. If there's, if it's not for Earl Leggett, there is no Michael Strahan. Good Morning America, Fox, clothing line, all the stuff that Michael does, there's no me. Uh, and we, neither one of us are in the Hall of Fame, I don't think, if it's not Earl Leggett and, you know, Michael doesn't cross paths with him in New York with the Giants and I don't cross paths with him in Oakland. <clears throat> he prepared me mentally and physically. He took me to a place mentally and physically that few people go to and prepared me for every conceivable situation. He was not a warm and cuddly guy. Um, he was not a guy that patted you on the back a lot, uh, but you were his guy. And I, 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 I'm very happy with making that choice. I think Earl, Earl's responsible for me being in the position that I'm in now and as, as as the same thing is with Michael. Yeah, when I think of your journey, Howie, and I think where you started to where you ended up to and where you are now, uh, I got to believe that standing up behind that podium, giving your acceptance speech was just had to be surreal for you. You know, you're in that room with all those Hall of Famers and you think to yourself, geez, do I belong here? You know, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's a very humbling room. I mean, it's, you know, when you're looking at the history I'm talking long history of the league. You know, you look around, there's Dick Buckus, there's Gail Sayers, there's Y.A. Tittle, there's, you know, and it goes on, and there's Deacon Jones, and, you know, uh, it's a remarkable room, and there's Joe Green. And to me, the highlight of the whole thing was the crowd had cleared out, the DJ was breaking down his stuff, and it was just Joe Green and me sitting at a table uh, in the middle of the room and everyone was pretty much gone. 
if you have a player or a guy that you look up to like that, uh, and and guys like Joe Green or Art Shell, they don't disappoint. They're the genuine article. Uh, they're the real deal. Well, Howie, you're exactly how Howie Long should be, and I don't want you ever to be any different. And I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And for all of you out there watching, I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again soon right here on Game Time with Hockey Hall of Famer Eric Lindros. Take care, partner. Harry and I had, uh, we couldn't be any more different. Um, you know, Luis began the Boston quarterback, defensive lineman, Wheeler Raider. He's been married three, four times. I've been married once for 40 years. He's like the older brother I never wanted. <laughs> Thank you.